Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Good morning, I'm Anna Palmer. And I'm Jake Sherman. And welcome to The Daily Punch, brought to you by Punchbowl News. It is Tuesday, January 10th, 2023. Let's get into the mix. Here are your Washington headlines of the day. Number one, the partisan fight for who will be on committees. Number two, Senate Republicans and Democrats head to the border to talk immigration. And number three, more drama as The Hill questions FTX's legal counsel. All right, Jake, let's get into it. Uh, House Republicans were able to pass their rules package last night, which now transfers the next big fight of into who is going to be able to be seated on committees. We are leading Punchbowl News AM with all the drama here uh, w- uh, with this kind of fight by that you are going to have House Republicans saying, you know, Paul Gosar, George Santos, Marjorie Taylor Greene should be on committees and Adam Schiff, Eric Swalwell and Ilan Omar should not should not be on the committees of their choosing. Now, I think Swalwell, um, Schiff, and Omar will be able to serve on committees, but they're not going to be able to serve on intelligence for Swalwell and Schiff. Uh, uh, Swalwell had been term lim- is basically term limited out of it. He could be put on again. Well, that's a distinction without a difference. Um, and Omar could serve on any other committee, McCarthy says, Kevin McCarthy, the speaker, uh, besides foreign affairs. Now, I mean, well, let's actually reverse for a second here. Um, this is all coming to a head because House Republicans passed the rules package by one vote, as you note. Uh, sorry, with one vote, <laughs> with one no vote, not by one vote, with one no vote. Um, uh, Tony Gonzalez voted against it. Now it's time for them to populate their committees. Um, And this is not anything new in the sense that McCarthy has been saying this now for months um, and doesn't make it right, wrong or indifferent. But he has been making this case for months that he is not going to um, uh, allow them to serve on their committees. He says they don't belong there. And he says this is all because of Speaker Emerita Nancy Pelosi kicked Paul Gosar and Marjorie Taylor Greene off of their committees during the 117th Congress. Anna, the takeaway here uh, is that the this is another example, quite frankly, of how um, the House of Representatives has just turned into an open brawl. Um, everything is tit for tat. Nothing is let go. Um, nothing is, um, uh, you know, nothing is is just nothing is simple. Um, it is just, you know, it is just a very different place than it even was a couple years ago. It's just everything is, uh, everything's a war. And this is going to be the next big thing because, you know, McCarthy can take 
Schiff and Swalwell off of Intel because those are uh, appointed positions. Um, Intel is a is a a um, uh, a select committee, a permanent select committee, and the but Foreign Affairs is a standing committee. It's not, you know, I, I don't want to dwell too much on this, but Ilhan Omar's committee assignment is subject to a floor vote in the House of Representatives. So um, it, removing her is. Um, so I don't know, Anna, what, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, listen, I don't, this is this fight is, is expected, right? So this is something that has been, I think, forecasted and predicted by anybody who's been watching uh, and watched the, the drama of removing MTG and Paul Gosar. Um, you know, last Congress, Kevin McCarthy, you know, said that there would be tit for tat. And this is him kind of being true to his word when it comes to that. Uh, but to your point, I think it's just another example where you have just the, you know, kind of the collegiality of the institution um, and the fact that, you know, we are just in a very different era of partisan politics uh, playing out every single day. And this is just the latest manifestation of that. Uh, let's move on, Jake, to the number two story of the morning. Uh, it, it is such an dramatic split screen, honestly. Um, our our very own Andrew Desiderio down in El Paso, Texas. Um, and while you have a Republican-controlled House, um, you know, at odds with itself, at odds with Democrats, you have a bipartisan group of senators pursuing a once-in-a-generation compromise on immigration reform. A bipartisan group of senators traveled down to El Paso to chart a path for the 118th Congress on an issue that has eluded lawmakers for more than four decades. Um, you know, I, I just think to me that's such a striking, you know, kind of difference with what you really have seen in the, the Senate and the fact that they do want to work together. They do want to do big things. If you look at the last Congress alone and how just absolutely um, jam-packed it was with legislation, uh, often, you know, where you had Republicans coming to the table to be able to work with Democrats in the Senate, the, you know, I'm skeptical that immigration has that same, they have the same ability on it, but it, even to just set this as the foundation for that conversation at the beginning, at this time, I think very interesting. Yeah, um, you know, my view has always been, uh, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, um, my view has always been that an immigration deal can come together if and only if there's some sort of crisis around a must-pass measure. Um, maybe, maybe I'll soften that a little bit. It could only come together if there is a crisis. Um, and not that there isn't a crisis at the southern border. Obviously, Republicans and Democrats agree that there's a huge problem at the southern border. They disagree on how to... How to um, uh, address that. Um, but what I could see happen is, you know, a must pass bill comes up. Um, and uh, I guess there's two ways. Number one, if if the president somehow needs money for the border in a supplemental bill or some sort of piece of legislation at some point between now and September, that would be an inflection point. I don't know that that will happen. Or in September or over the summer with the debt ceiling, the debt ceiling over the summer, whenever the debt ceiling comes up, we don't know when it's going to come up. And uh, or the government funding bill in September, October, um, 
and Republicans insist on a bunch of of um, border money, and Mc- and Biden either sees it in his political interest or thinks he needs to come to the table on that. Is that impossible? I don't think it's impossible. I don't. I don't. I don't. I mean, listen. I don't think there's going to be any changes to, or I don't think there's going to be any big changes to migrant laws in the sense of the Dream Act or anything like that. Um, but could there be modest changes? Maybe. Could there be border money? There will need to be. Um, you know, I'm just bullish. Sorry, bearish, not bullish. I am bearish <laughs> on the idea that there will be some sort of traditional, you know, legalization for border security trade, the kind of trade we've seen for a long time. I, I actually think I asked McCarthy about that over the fall um, when I was traveling with him during the campaign season, if that trade exists, and he said no. So it, it, it has always existed, right? It even existed in the Trump administration. But... um you know, I just think that's very, I think that's very difficult or tenuous uh, at this point. So, um, you know, I, I but we'll this see. is, a, I mean, we don't know. I yeah, mean, I, we don't know. know. I mean, we don't have crystal balls. We have, we have, we could report, we could talk to what about what people say. Uh, sometimes legislative issues take a life of their own on Capitol Hill, and I, I I agree with that. I mean, if you you know, I remember my shock and your shock back in uh, the beginning of the COVID era when Republicans were cool with sending a bunch of checks to people across the country, and we were just like, whoa, where where did that come from? So I, you know, let's not go crazy here. Uh, but um, the cent the center of gravity in the House Republican Conference is basically. Um, Border security, border security, border security. Some talk about, you know, um, uh, migrant laws, meaning, you know, legal migrant laws, illegal migrant, what to do about illegal immigration later. Um, Because because they think the crisis has gotten so, so dire that, you know. So anyway, I I, that's that's where that's where what my mind share is. Yeah, I think that's right. I would uh, encourage everyone to read Andrew's reporting down in El Paso. And, and you just get. Or as the Grateful uh, Dead said, uh, and uh, excuse my yawning, but as the Grateful Dead said, out in the West Texas town of El Paso, which is a song called El Paso, which is actually not by the Grateful Dead, but it was a, it was, I think it's by um, the Grateful Dead. It was, it was a, it's by Marty Robbins, but the Grateful Dead sang it for many years. All right, back to what we're back talking to reality. About. <laughs> so, um, which is the fact that I just think I, I would just point everyone to Andrew's reporting because I think it's very interesting. Just the posture that you have Republicans and Democrats and their what they're publicly saying um, is is just an interesting start to this Congress. And is it a reset to this overall push on immigration? Time will only tell. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. It's one of the number three story of the morning. Uh, we have a first in Punchable News. A bipartisan group of four senators wrote to the federal judge overseeing the bankruptcy case of crypto exchange FTX, urging the court to appoint 
an independent examiner and assess top law firm Sullivan and Cromwell's involvement in the proceeding. Super interesting. Uh, Brendan Peterson has this right up for us in this morning's newsletter. You have Senator John Hickenlooper, the Democrat from Colorado, joined by Senators Tom Tillis, Republican from North Carolina, Elizabeth Warren, Democrat from Massachusetts, and Cynthia Loomis, the Republican from Wyoming, focusing on this white shoe law firm and the fact that Sullivan and Cromwell worked for FTX in the months leading up to uh, the exchange's rapid collapse, uh, earning $8.5 million in non-bankruptcy fees. Uh, it's just an interesting, I think, really kind of item around the fact that you have Congress watching very closely what is happening with FTX uh, and willing to weigh in here uh, in a bipartisan fashion. Yeah, uh, it, it, this does show, to be honest with you, the um, just the many, many threads that the that the FTX scandal uh, has left for lawmakers to pull um, just across the board. I mean, I, I, there this is going to be a, a continuing legislative issue. Brendan Peterson is covering doing a great job covering it for us. Um, it's just going to this is not, you know, the the. Um, the Justice Department's indictment of of Sam Bankman Freed has put a little bit of a damper on the Hill's investigation, but not much because there's so much that the Hill's going to do over the next couple months on this issue. So uh, we're going to be all over it. All right. And just a quick reminder, we are one week away from my interview with Durham, North Carolina Mayor Elaine O'Neill on Tuesday, January 17th, 5 p.m. We're going to be talking to her about the big issues facing local government and what can and might happen at the local level when there's a divided Congress. You can join us in person at the Capitol Hilton. Uh, the conversation is going to be followed by a reception, which should be uh, fun as part of the U.S. Mayor's annual conference here in town. You can go to our events hub to sign up for that. And with that, thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Please share the Daily Punch. Punch. It's the best way for folks to find out about us. You can also subscribe to our free morning newsletter at punchbowl.news. Have a great day and stay safe.